0: Welcome to A Bigger Life, where you can break through the distractions, stop, listen, and speak to God in prayer. I'm Dave Cover. I want to help you use the Bible as your conversation with God so you can live a bigger life. The Christian faith is not just a set of beliefs. It's an emotional response. It involves an emotional response. It really has to be an emotional response of an active trust in God's promise. In other words, we can't just live this life where our emotions are somehow separated from our beliefs. They never really are. And so we have to understand the importance of directing our emotional response by our faith by our beliefs by our trust in god's promise that looks up and looks forward in our horizontal circumstances we've been talking about that illustration of thinking of our lives in some sense three-dimensionally But the idea that we're thinking of our lives not just on this horizontal level, like a bumper pool table where we're just sort of being bounced around by obstacles and circumstances and we just hope everything works out okay and our emotional well-being is dependent upon how those horizontal circumstances are going. The Christian life is much more multi-dimensional than that. We're looking up at the reality of God and therefore our life has this huge big blue sky perspective of not just the horizontal, but the vertical is affecting our view of our horizontal lives. And we're looking out, we're looking forward because the Christian life is this much more than just trapped in the moment. It's always looking forward to the promise of God. So in our last episode, we looked at that first verse in Psalm 108, where David says, my heart is steadfast, O God. This idea of steadfast being that my heart is positioned, it's standing upright, and it is positioned with a position of waiting in hope. It's a position of having this sense of courage that comes from having a bigger perspective, a, a vertical perspective that looks up and looks out. And I'm not just trapped in the now. Another word for that is the idea of hope. Hope in the Bible is not the same way we use that English word. When I use that English word, usually in the context of things not related to the Bible, oh, I hope so. You know, it's the idea that I, I wish, I, I, I hope, I'm going to believe the best, I'm optimistic. And it, it, it really is out of my hands in some sense. I'm just trying to be optimistic, That's not the biblical idea of the word hope when it's used in the Bible. When the word hope is used in the Bible, it has more of a confident expectation to it. It's focused on something that gives us a confident expectation of how things are going to turn out in spite of our circumstances. I have a hope in the midst of circumstances that would otherwise be discouraging, even depressing, so when Paul, the Apostle Paul, is talking in some sense about the practical elements of how to live the Christian life in Romans chapter 8, and Romans chapter 8 is one of these chapters that's full of all kinds of truths that are important for us to understand how to live the Christian life when it comes to this looking up and looking out, looking forward. But he talks about the more personal element in Romans eight twenty three. he says that we ourselves are who have the first fruits of the holy spirit now that his idea there is the holy spirit is the first of the redemption that's going to come that's the promise of god that already the redemption has begun in our lives the new creation has begun in our lives because the Holy Spirit indwells us. We are a temple of the Holy Spirit. He says he's a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance to come. And so he's picking up on that idea here where he says, we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly. Now that's, a, that's an emotional picture. We groan emotionally. We groan inwardly as we wait Eagerly, There's another emotional element. To be eager is to have an emotional waiting for something. We're groaning inwardly as we wait eagerly. This is emotional language. It's a language that causes us to imagine this picture that we are groaning inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption as God's children the redemption of our bodies. And so this is Paul saying that the biggest part of our faith is about something that we don't have yet. The adoption as being God's children, the redemption of our bodies, this idea of the resurrection, just like Jesus's resurrection, bodies without sin, bodies without corruption, bodies without death and disease. So he says again, let me just read verse 23. We groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption as God's children, the redemption of our bodies, verse 24, for in this hope we were saved. Remember, being saved is not dying and going to heaven, because he's talking here about the redemption of our bodies. It's in this sense of confident expectation, this hope amidst the darkness, this hope amidst what would otherwise be discouraging, even depressing, for in this hope we were saved. But he says, but hope that is seen is no hope at all for who hopes for what he already has. But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. Hope is this waiting for something we don't have. It's this confident expectation that it's coming, but we don't have it yet. And that, in many ways, is Paul's picture, imaginative picture of what it means to live the Christian life. We have this inward groaning, this emotional element of longing for something that we don't have. We wait for it eagerly. It's a longing. It's emotional. And what we're waiting for is the reality of what it means to be God's children fully, the redemption of our bodies, for in this hope we were saved. We're waiting for it. Now, I'm going to read a few other verses, and these are like all these verses are going to be in the show notes. If you can get to the show notes on your podcast app, you can see all these verses and, and read along or have them. But in the New Testament, in Ephesians 1, verse 18, and I say this a lot when I preach uh, and, and I'm giving the blessing afterwards, I use this verse a lot because it really has, for me, captured the emotional element of the promise of God and the focus I want my life to have based upon the hope the emotional element of waiting for something with a confident expectation. And so Paul says, I pray that the eyes of your heart, now that's a great term to mean your imagination with an emotional response, the eyes of your heart. There's an emotional element, there's an emotional kind of knowing something, expecting something. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and his incomparably great power for us who believe." You can't really have just sort of this set of beliefs. That's not really the Christian life. The Christian life is an emotional eyes of our heart, hoping in something, having this confident expectation that involves our emotions. And it comes from having the eyes of our heart enlightened so that we would know the hope To which he has, which God has called us to in Christ, that all that God is for us in Christ involves this hope. It involves this confident expectation of the riches of his glorious inheritance and his great power for us who believe One of the things that happens when we worship God, when we take time like we're doing right now in this podcast episode, we take time to put our mind in God's promise, our mind in God's word, so the Holy Spirit has something to use in our lives as we groan inwardly, as we wait eagerly for the redemption of our bodies, to have the eyes of our heart enlightened in order that we may know the hope. To which he has called us we're looking up and we're looking out at this hope to which he has called us this future this redemption of our bodies the riches of his glorious inheritance that we have in Christ Hebrews 10:23 says let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess this confident expectation that we profess. Let us hold unswervingly to that hope. Let us be driven by hope. Let hope be our guide. This hope we have that is eagerly anticipating a future that we know we have. So let me just read the verse. Let us hope unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. Our hope is based upon the one who created this universe. That we're believing, we're trusting that his word is true, and his promise is true, and that he who promised has the character that is also faithful to keep his promise. That's how trust and hope work together. We could say that Christianity is ultimately a promise that we are trusting the one who made the promise to keep his promise, and that that trust is producing an emotional element of hope, a kind of eager expectation of the riches of his glorious inheritance, the redemption of our bodies. And we experience that now through hope. We experience this joy of this promise through hope. Through confident expectation, looking up at he who promised being faithful to his promise and looking out that this confident expectation, the redemption of our bodies, the riches of his glorious inheritance, we're holding on to that hope. We're, in some sense, clinging to that hope and letting that hope guide us forward in our lives, even in the midst of circumstances that seem hopeless, even in the midst of circumstances that would be otherwise depressing, discouraging. Because we're believing that He who promised is faithful, Paul says the exact same thing about Abraham's faith in Romans 4.21. He says, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. God had the power to do what he had promised. Abraham was fully persuaded in that, and that's why he was driven by hope. We think about this universe with all the billions of galaxies, and they estimate a trillion galaxies at least, each having hundreds of billions of stars. A star is like what our sun is. And just imagine the vastness of this universe and the God that created this universe and what hope is is looking up and thinking about the God that created this universe speaking to us in his word that he has the power to do what he has promised. And hope is is seeing it emotionally with the eyes of our heart. And you might be thinking, well, I how do I conjure up emotion? And the the prayer is what Paul says. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you and the riches of his glorious inheritance. That this is something we pray for. We worship God in trying to have this sense that I need to realign my life with the truth of the universe. I need to realign my perspective with reality. If you're not waiting eagerly, It's because you're not thinking about it enough. This is a a thing where the eyes of our heart are enlightened as we know the hope to which you were called. Think about the redemption of your body and what that's going to mean in the resurrection when Christ returns. Think about your adoption as his son or daughter and everything that that means. And when Paul says, "'For in this hope you were saved,' This is a hope that the more we understand it, the more we eagerly await it. The more we understand the riches of His glorious inheritance for us, the more we eagerly await it. The more courage we have in our heart to resist the narratives that are trying to steal us from that hope. Because we're believing He who promised is able to do what He has promised. He who promised is faithful. And so Peter says in 1 Peter 1, 21, through him, you believe in God who raised him from the dead and glorified him. And so your faith and hope are in God. Here's the thing that it, God has already begun this. Here It all comes down to whether or not Jesus rose from the dead. Did Jesus rise from the dead? Is the witness of the apostles, their witness that they saw him and lived with him for 40 days after he rose from the dead, is that true or are they lying? Did they see Jesus do the miracles that he did? Did they touch the hands and the body of Jesus after he rose from the dead like it says in Luke? Did they feed him fish and he ate it? All of these witnesses died because they wouldn't stop proclaiming the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. I find it persuasive that Jesus rose from the dead. This is how Christianity even started. You have to have even an explanation for that if you don't believe in the resurrection. How did this whole thing explode like a big bang in human history under the scene? If it wasn't for apostles and disciples that were convinced they saw our resurrected Jesus, not just once, but over a period of 40 days and that the apostles themselves were enabled to do miraculous signs and wonders, raising people from the dead, healing those who have been blind all their lives, crippled all their lives. Peter says it all comes down to believing the one who raised Jesus from the dead. And so our faith, our sense of trust in his promise, and our hope are in God, in the one who is able to keep his promise. So Peter writes in 1 Peter 1, 3, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope. This is a hope that directs our lives, a living hope. Let me read it again. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last times. Here's what Peter's saying, is that the reality of Jesus' resurrection from the dead, and Peter was a witness of that resurrection. He's saying through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, we have a living hope, we can have a confident expectation that what has already begun by the resurrection of Jesus is going to be fulfilled, the redemption of our bodies, the glorious inheritance that we are heirs of in Christ. This inheritance that can never Perish, spoil, or fade. It's kept in heaven. It's kept by the hand of God. It is coming when Christ comes. And until then, you are shielded by God's power until the redemption of your body. No matter what's happening in your life now, you're shielded by God's power. And so you have this living hope, an emotional element of joy and hope. It enables you to have this confident expectation as you await eagerly God keeping his promise for you. This is this three-dimensional, four-dimensional, however you want to think of it, way of looking at your life, not just horizontally, but looking at your life by looking up at he who promised is faithful and looking out to the horizon of his this eager expectation you have, this confident expectation you have, like David says, "My heart is steadfast, O God. My heart is focused on this promise. My emotions are focused on your promise. My emotions are focused on He who promised is faithful. You are able to complete what you have promised. I know it's true because Jesus rose from the dead. It's already begun. And so right now I can be joyful in hope. I can have gratitude in this hope and I can love with the strength that comes from this hope. And it's the kind of hope that I have to remind myself of every day. It's not a one-off. It's a redo every day. And prayer and worship is a part of that redo every day. And so we pray, God, I give thanks to you because I know you are faithful your promise. I am fully persuaded that you are able to do what you have promised. The God that created this universe is able to do what it would otherwise be impossible. My life sometimes seems hopeless and yet I have a hope that he who promised is faithful and I am in this bigger story. I am in this better story that has already begun. It's a story that you have foretold thousands of years ago. You have put it in play for thousands of years. And I know it is happening because you have become human in the person of Jesus. There's not been anybody like Jesus before or ever since. And because Jesus has come, because Jesus did the miracles that he did, because Jesus taught what he taught, and we read it in the Bible by the witnesses that he raised up and spent three years with, And those witnesses who witnessed your resurrection, the witnesses who were able to do extraordinary miracles, this is why Christianity exploded on the scene. This is why they even spent decades never stopping proclaiming the resurrection of Jesus under their own execution. They were fully persuaded that what they had seen begin in the resurrection of Jesus was going to be fulfilled. The redemption of our bodies the renewal of creation for in this hope we were saved. This is truly salvation, not dying and going to heaven, but heaven coming back to earth. And the bigger story my life is in this story of hope, this story of knowing I groan inwardly by your Holy spirit, awaiting the adoption as your son. We await the adoption as your children, the redemption of our bodies, the redemption of our lives, the redemption of my story being a story far bigger than I see now. Every encounter I have matters. Every obedience I choose matters. Every sacrifice I make matters because this story matters. My story matters because it's inside this story. And your Holy Spirit indwells me because I am part of this story. And your Holy Spirit indwells me because I belong to Jesus. Your Holy Spirit indwells me because you are redeeming me and redeeming my story and redeeming my life and redeeming my body. And so I have this living hope, this hope that permeates my life, this confident expectation, this joy as the eyes of my heart are enlightened by this hope to which you have called me and the riches of your glorious inheritance. This inheritance that can never perish, this inheritance that can never spoil or fade, that you keep in heaven with you at your right hand for me, Peter says, kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power. I am shielded by your power, and my inheritance is shielded by your power until the coming of the salvation that is in Christ. This story is the story everything in this world is in. And I want to be in this story by the eyes of my heart being enlightened. I pray that you would enlighten more and more the eyes of my heart so that even in hard relationships even in disappointments even in suffering my life is filled with hope and the joy that comes from this hope and the ability to love others because I live in this hope and the ability to have gratitude in difficult circumstances because I live inside this hope my heart is steadfast O oh God I lift up my eyes to you and I look out at the confident expectation as I wait eagerly for my adoption and the redemption of my body and the riches of your glorious inheritance kept in heaven for me because it can never perish, spoil, or fade because it is at your right hand in Christ. And so I am shielded by your power Nothing happens to me that doesn't go through your hands first. I trust your will for me. I trust your love for me. And I trust you are true to your word and your promises are true for me. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to A Bigger Life, a podcast of The Crossing, a church in Columbia, Missouri. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and give it a rating so people can find this content more easily or consider texting it to a friend or posting it on social media. Thanks for listening.